God is on his throne. And that's what we have to remember. No longer look at Jesus as being a crucified man, but look at him as king who's coming again. King of kings and what? Lord of lords. That's what he is. And what we're about to see now in Acts chapter 11 is him unleashing his body to go forth. The church was birthed in Israel, but now it's getting ready to do what? Birth other nations into it. But the first, the nation of Israel had to be birthed because that's the way God set it up. And we see now back in chapter 10, the Holy Spirit and the angels working in sync together to bring about the salvation of the Gentiles, to bring the Jews and the Gentiles together as one body. And now, what an amazing thing that's happening. Persecution, we have saw that back in chapter 6 and chapter 7 of the book of Acts, where the body had been attacked. Stephen, the first martyr, one of the first deacons, killed. Intermittently, Luke in his writings did not mention the ongoing persecution. What he did by the Holy Spirit was focus on God bringing the people together through signs and wonders and most importantly the preaching of the gospel by the power of the Holy Ghost. Okay? And we see that in Israel, in Jerusalem, then outside of Jerusalem. Then we see it with the Gentiles in Caesarea. And now we're about to see it spread even further. It's going to be spread abroad. Okay? And you're going to notice who is at the hem of this? Who's leading this penetration of darkness? Okay? The Holy Spirit is leading these men to, to penetrate these nations of darkness. Nations that were very heartline. But first, God is going after his children of Israel who are in those other nations. Now, just in case you may not have observed in your Bibles over the, over the years that you've been studying the scriptures, here's what has been happening in the Old Testament. Moses, I was sharing with Deacon Clinton the other day, Moses wrote about the persecution of Israel. Moses wrote about the dispersion of the nation of Israel to the other nations because of the hardness of the heart. And I was sharing with him also that if you look at those three chapters, chapter 30, 31, and 32, that you will find out that everything God said was going to happen through the mouth of Moses happened to the nation of Israel. And looking at that alone, you would have known that God is God. No blind man would have missed that part that the nation of Israel did go into idol worship. They did begin to serve false gods. They did turn their back on God. God did send opposing armies into the land, and they did conquer Israel, and they did haul the remnant off to other nations. The Syrians did it. The Babylonians did it. And now the Romans, along with some of God's people, are pushing Israel out of Israel. Okay? 
What you're seeing is that the fulfillment of scripture is being taken place. The prophecy of Jesus Christ is taking place. And, and people, Paul yet to be unleashed by Jesus to go fully to the Gentiles. He has not yet been set aside by the Holy Ghost to go and do what we call his missionary journeys. That has not happened yet. Right now, we're seeing the Holy Spirit use people that you and I would have never thought of. Okay? And what you're going to see is the gospel being spread to North Africa. Why did I say North Africa? Because you cannot forget Acts chapter 8 with Philip and the Ethiopian unit. He came from North Africa. Okay? He was the first one to take the gospel back with him. And then you're going to see Cyprus. The gospel goes to Cyprus. The gospel also goes to Syria. What do you think Antioch is? Syria. Syria was one of the first nations to receive the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we're going to see a very powerful thing take place. And also, let, let, me, let me put this nugget out there for you just before we go in prayer. Syria was not ignorant to the God of Israel. Are you all aware of that? Syria was not ignorant to the God of Israel. Do you all remember the famous Syrian general by the name of Naaman? Do you ever heard of his name, Naaman? He was a general that had leprosy and who had the Israeli servant girl working in his house. And she told him, there is a man of God in Israel. And Haman went to the king. I mean, not Haman, but Naaman. And he asked for permission to go down to Israel to meet the prophet who? Elijah. And sure enough, he went. And what did Elijah tell him to do? Go and bathe in the Jordan River seven times and it'll be made clean. He got a little indignated. But he got himself screened out by his servant and said, hey, is this a big thing for you to do? And of course, what did Naaman do? He goes and washes in the Jordan and immediately his skin was like the skin of a baby. All cleared up. Then you and I, don't you know that that king received that report that his general is now healed and the God of Israel healed him? So, Syria is not ignorant to the God of Israel. Um, just in case we may have missed it somewhere along the line, because biblical history is important for you to understand that God is at work in the nations. There's a little famous name in the Bible called Aram. Anybody ever read it? Aram. Aram, go back and read the Old Testament. Aram is a powerful nation that often came against Israel. Aram is another name for Syria. So, biblical history is important for you to learn. Important. Because you see the mighty hand of God. Now, in chapter 11... Well, we're going today, and we may even go into chapter 12 today. I don't know which way the Holy Spirit is going to take us. But I do know this. Your eyes need to be open 
And one of the things that the Lord dealt with me this past week, he said, you forgot to tell them this last week. Go back and tell them this because you, it's important for you to get this. When Jesus had Paul, I mean Saul, not Saul, but Peter go to Cornelius' house, to the Gentiles, he did not change the Gentile culture. Do you know what I mean by that? They didn't become Jews. They did not become Jews. When we go out and we share the gospel in other countries, we want every country to look like America style or what? Worship. That's wrong. We want little white buildings with little steeples and a cross on them, and we tell people you got to worship and do this and praise God in this style. Uh-uh. That is not what happened. Look very closely. God does not change a culture unless the culture is wicked and evil in his ways, right? But if the culture just don't know him, he doesn't go and say, okay, change your dress, change the way your houses are, change the way you school your people, go and do this and go do that. No. He said, come just as you what? Just as you are. Because God loved diversity. He made it for his glory. And so don't try to make you look like a Chinese when you're American. And don't make a Chinese look American when they're Chinese. So about 120 years ago, a missionary went to China named William Carey. You know what William Carey did? William Carey pulled off his Western clothes on end and he put on Chinese attire. And you know what the Chinese did? They accepted him. Do you know why? Because he looked like them. He fit into their what? Into their culture. And he brought the gospel to them. He didn't go in and try to change their culture. That's one mistake that we make. So if we're going into different cultures, these little subcultures in America, don't try to change that culture. They're jumping and dancing people. Let them jump and dance for the Lord. If they're reserved people, quiet. And Jimmy Swagger learned this a long time ago. And y'all know who evangelist Jimmy Swagger is? Jimmy Swagger said he went up on the stage and a lot of people were lined up for prayer. And he was telling, he was praying for me to tell him to raise their hand and shout and praise God. And of course, they were doing it. He said, he got to this one little old lady, kind of like Zora, timid, quiet. And he said, he was praying and praying and praying his heart out for this lady. And she was just standing there like a doorknob. That's what he was thinking. He said, but when the Spirit said, put your ear to her mouth. And when he did, oh, glory to God, the lady was speaking in the heavenly tongue. Are y'all hearing me? The lady was speaking in the heavenly language to God. And all he could do was, God, I'm sorry. You can't judge a tree by its looks. We like to say books, though, don't we, in this country. So here, you're going to see some amazing things happen. Amazing things. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Thank you, sister. 
God bless you. No, you can continue to pray. Do pray. Father, we come to you now in the precious name of your son, Jesus. Lord Jesus, you're Lord over all creation. And you have done great and mighty things with the human race. And you intentionally sent your prophets, your teachers, your scribes, your evangelists and your apostles, all of your men and women of the gospel and to these countries to make sure that they hear about you and Father. They make sure to know that the Lord God of Israel is the one true God and that you, his son, is the only savior of the world. And Lord, you knew that your sons and daughters were running the persecution, but that didn't stop them because Holy Spirit, you gave them courage that's out of this world. And they went in the midst of all that turmoil, all that calamity, all that peril, and they shared your gospel. And they turned men and women of hatred into sons and daughters of God by preaching your gospel. They were there and they witnessed you transform entire communities. And Lord, that's what we're about to see today in the book of Acts. And that's what your people here today want to see. They want to see it happen in High Spring. They want to see it happen in Lake City, Fort White, Trenton, Alachua, Gainesville, Archer, Newberry, all over this state and all over this United States. They want to see lives transformed, Lord, for the glory of God. Jesus, that's what we desire today. Transform us. Help us transform communities, households, neighborhoods, all for the glory of God. And that your name will be proclaimed there. Have your way now, Lord. Have your way as we look into your word. Holy Spirit, speak. Speak. I am decreasing now so that you, Lord, can speak to your people. Jesus, this is your doing. You are the center of your church. The church is built up on you and you alone. So now, Lord, speak to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Is that Michael back there with me? Oh boy, I got some help today. Acts chapter 11. Here we are. Now the apostles and brethren who were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God and when Peter came up to Jerusalem, those of the circumcision contended with him, saying, You went in to uncircumcised men and ate with them. What's at the end of the word them in your Bible? Is there an exclamation point? No. Mine is. Okay, yours is? All right, mine has an exclamation point. Yours? All right, do you know what that means? They had an attitude. They was upset that Peter went to the Gentiles. They were mad. The circumcised here are Jews. These are hardline Jewish so-called Christians. And they were angry that Peter had gone in and did what? Sit and ate with Gentiles. We're called uncircumcision there. That's Gentiles. That's us. They were mad. 
But what they didn't see is the same God that saved them were also saving the Gentiles. Amen. Look on. Look on. Verse 4. But Peter explained it to them in order from the beginning, saying, I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision, an object descending like a great sheet, let down from heaven by four corners, and it came to me. When I observed it intently and considered, I saw four-footed animals of earth, skim of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air. And I heard a voice saying to me, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But I said, Not so, Lord, for nothing common or unclean has at any time entered my mouth. But the voice answered me again from heaven, What God has cleansed you must not call common. Now this was done three times, and all was drawn up again into heaven. And then this needs to happen again in the 21st century, because we still have churches that are separated by color within the same town, within the same community, because some blacks don't want to fellowship with whites and some whites don't want to fellowship with blacks. But yet they both say they love Jesus, the same God. How is that so? Something is wrong with their understanding of the word of God. And Peter, who was a diehard Jew, thinking that he was doing what was right by separating himself away from Gentiles. But what he didn't know, that God's plan was greater than his upbringing. And we need to see that today. Sometimes we separate ourselves from people not just because of their race, but because of what families they come from or what kind of economics they may have. You got the drift? Mm -hmm. And sometimes we separate because of we don't want you in our group because our group is better than you. And we call those groups cliques. And we look down on people, and that is wrong. It is wrong for the body of Christ to practice racism and discrimination. It is hatred, and God doesn't like it. And it's something that none of us should be practicing. Now, I know the news media have hopped up a lot about homosexuality. And that seemed to be the biggest dividing factor among the church and government right now. Am I right? However, God forbid his church, Jesus Christ, the son of the living God, who died on the cross for the sins of the world. That word world included homosexuals. And it included those and by the way, let me tell you this, okay? You got to hear this part. There are more adulterers in the church than there are homosexuals. Amen. Now, you want to say things right and get, be honest with God? Let's get honest, Mr. and Mrs. Christian. And there are more fornicators in the church. And I'm going to tell you what that means. It's called sexual immorality from the Greek, from the word porno. That's actually from pornos, porno, okay, male prostitute. There are more Christians having sex who are not married than there are homosexuals in the church. Amen. Now, I'm going to tell it like it is. I'm just being honest straight up, okay? More Christians who lie on their taxes 
so that they can get more money than there are homosexuals in the church. I'm not condoning homosexuality. That's not what I'm doing here. What I'm doing, I'm condemning sin. And we're too quick to put people in categories and we discriminate against them when in fact in our own hearts there are things God got to work out in us. Amen? Amen? And so we can get over here and try to play Mr. Goody Two-Shoe and Holy Than Thou when in fact Jesus Christ, the Son of God, knows all of our hearts. And the Bible tells you and I there's no act in our lives will be escaped, that will not be exposed on the day of judgment. When, when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ, and this is not the great white throne judgment, this is for the church folks, okay? When we stand before Jesus, our very lives are going to be laid out. And the motives why we do things will be revealed. And so if we're not genuinely loving people and I mean this that we're not genuinely loving people it's going to be revealed and if we got a hidden motive why we're being kind to people that will be revealed and I ask the Lord all the time Father deal with my heart because you know why I went to that place and it wasn't right other people, oh, he's such a nice guy. But in my heart, I had another motive. Men cannot see motive. God can. Okay? So this is new ground for the Jews. Y'all got to understand, this is huge. This is a huge undertaking for the Jews. Because for hundreds of years, they have been taught to remain in their own little confinement, their own little clusters, their own little domains, okay? And they were not to marry outside of their race. You remember when the remnant came back from Babylon and Nehemiah the governor found out that those that had been left in the land the last 70 years had married Gentiles and had children with them. And what did he tell them? He said, you have not obeyed the Lord and you have defiled yourself by marrying Gentiles. And he said, what you need to do right now is put those Gentiles' wives and those children from among you so that you can become clean again in the presence of God. And those people wept because they had grown children, they had grandchildren, and they had great-grandchildren who are now part Gentiles. And the man of God says, separate yourself from them right now so that the nation can be clean. That's a hard thing to do, isn't it? Because sometimes when we cross over into an area where we're not supposed to be, to walk away is hard for us. And sometimes we have stock that we have root there that is hard to cut loose. But when God tells you to do something, guess what you got to do? You got to do it. And in God's timing, God had a plan for the Gentile, but it wasn't an intermingling of Israel with the Gentiles at that time. Amen? It was meant for, the, for those tribes to remain pure. Okay? And now the plan was for those tribes, once God saved those tribes by his son Jesus... Those tribes were supposed to go to the nations. 
And if you look at these men, where were these men from? Where were the apostles from? Every last one of them other than Judas was from Galilee. What does that tell you? There's a powerful message in there. They were from the tribes of Nathalie and Zebulon, which was prophesied about in the book of Isaiah about those who sit in darkness have seen a great light. For the Gentiles will turn to him and will trust him. What is he saying? The tribes that was in the Galilee area, Naphtali and Zebulon, were living among the Gentiles. Okay? That's why it was called Galilee of the, of the Gentiles, or Galilee of the Galilee. Because those tribes were in among the Gentiles. And as such, they sat in spiritual darkness. Y'all getting this? They sat in spiritual darkness, meaning that they was, in, in essence, just like the Gentile nations. And so, Jesus Christ was not sent to live in Jerusalem. Where was he sent to live? Come on, study your biblical history. He was sent to live in Nazareth. Nazareth is a part of Galilee. And then he went over to the areas of Naphtali and Zebulon. Okay, those who live by the sea. Let me encourage you to open the book of Isaiah and you will read these prophecies. And Jesus Christ, the Son of God, relocated himself from Nazareth, 25 miles to the west, went over and resided in Capernaum. And where is Capernaum? Capernaum is on the northwest shore of the Sea of Galilee, right in the middle of Gentile country. And where did Lord Jesus do most of his miracles at? In Galilee. Galilee of the Gentiles. Why do you think he rebuked these three northern towns? Capernaum, Bethsaida, and Chorazin. He rebuked those three towns because he performed most of his miracles in those towns. And especially Capernaum where he was, where all of them seen his miracles. And you know what? He said, oh, you have exalted yourself to heaven, but you shall be cast down to hell. Why? Because if anybody witnessed the work of Christ, it was the people of Capernaum, the Jews in Capernaum, who had put themselves far above everybody else. The Gentiles didn't know any better. For their concern, he was just a Jewish man who was able to do things that other people couldn't do. Amen? Amen. And now the same Jesus who's back in heaven is sending his disciples now beyond the regions of Galilee. Beyond the regions of Jerusalem. Beyond the regions of Samaria. Let's take a look. Are y'all getting this? God had a plan for the Gentile nations all along. But there was an order, Deacon. There was an order. The nation of Israel first. Then the Gentiles. 
Amen. So God dealt with Peter as we've seen it. Jesus dealt with him very, very upstrike and forward. He didn't hold anything back. Don't you call what I call clean, unclean, Peter. What I have clean, you have no right to say that Gentiles are dirty and filthy people. Amen. So you don't have a right to say that, Peter. Because Jesus went to the cross for Gentiles also. Because y'all remember his closing words on the cross? What did he say to his father? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Who do you think he was talking about? The Roman soldiers that put the spikes in his hands. The ones that had beaten him. They didn't know. And Paul would later write in his letter to the Corinthian church, he said, had they known, they would not have crucified the prince of glory. Had the leaders known who he truly was. Doing one of your things. And so now Peter is testifying and in verse 9, it tells you and I, now this was done three times, Peter said, in verse 11. He said, at that very moment, three men stood before the house where I was, having been sent to me from Caesarea. Then the Spirit told me to go with them. See, the Holy Spirit is at work, doubting nothing. Moreover, these six brethren accompanied me, and we entered the man's house. And he told us how he had seen an angel standing in his house who said to him, send men to Joppa and call for Simon, whose surname is Peter, who will tell you words by which you all, excuse me, which you and all your household will be what? Will be what? Saved. You and all of your household will be saved. God had a plan. God had an intentional plan to go after the Gentile, and he called this household by name. Just like today, Anand, God has a plan to go after your children. God has a plan to go after my children. God had a plan to go after you. And you think that by moving from Kansas was a coincidence? Yeah. Or you planned it? Let me tell you something, sister. It was planned in heaven. Amen. Okay? It was planned in heaven for y'all to come here. Because now, look at your life. Amen. You're a living testimony that God has a purpose for you. Thank you. Amen. Thank you. Every last one of us can give a testimony of what our lives used to be about. And then at that pivotal point, when Jesus Christ, by the Spirit, drew you to hear the gospel, whether you was raised with parents who were godly or you went to a church that was godly and you heard the gospel. And at that particular time, you surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. God has a plan. And don't ever think because somebody's life is so bad, so heinous, that they can't be saved. That's God's decision. That's right. As much as people like Greg and others gets on our nerves, how many times have we gotten on God's nerve? <laughs> huh? Still daily. And so we're easily 
offended by people. Oh, he stinks. I don't want to be around. He cuss too much. Oh, do you know what he does for a living? Do you know what she does for a living? And, and, and we go and we bite back people. We, we, we spread that, that grapevine, that rumor about people. The Lord help us if God fleshed our lives upon the world screen for the world to see what we were like. Amen. I don't think there'd be anybody in church. <laughs> other than, other, you got other than newborn babies, right? Because we all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There are things in all our lives that none of us want to expose. That's why the blood of Jesus is so good. It washed away. But that song says, What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Y'all know that old song? What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, just is the flow that makes me white and snow. I don't know it. Oh, come on. Anyway. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Hey, you say your pastor sung a solo. Now laugh at me. Anyway, are you understanding that only Jesus get to pick and choose who he wants in the kingdom of God? And he has made the decision that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoso believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Uh, doesn't sound like to me he was picking and choosing on that one, does it? Because he said, for God so loved the world. Here's what's happening. Peter continued with his testimony. Listen what happened. If you back up in verse 15, and I, as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them as, as upon us at the beginning. Talking about the day of Pentecost. And everybody here knows what happened in the day of Pentecost when the Holy Ghost came to town, amen? And 120 people sitting in that upper room was suddenly changed from common people to extraordinary people. People who was once dead in the flesh are now alive in the spirit. Are you hearing me? You are no longer dead to God when the spirit of God comes in you. Amen. And those 120 people that day up in Pentecost became alive. And they perform extraordinary things, things that they would otherwise wouldn't been able to do. Are you hearing me? That's what the Lord Jesus Christ does. And so Peter is testifying. He's given a great, great testimony before his fellow brothers and sisters, uh, brothers in Christ. Then he goes on to tell you and I that they were. He said, "Then I remembered." Are you hearing me? Peter said now, while he was at Cornelius' house, when the Holy Ghost fell upon the Gentiles, he remembered the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. And here were those words. John indeed baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. That's right. He remembered that this precious gift of the Holy Ghost is for everyone. It's not just for a select few. Okay? And every believer, every follower, every disciple of Jesus Christ is baptized by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit sets that person aside to signify that we belong to Jesus. Are you hearing me? 
And Paul will later write that in, he will tell the Romans in chapter 8 of his letter, as we know it, that he who does not have the Spirit of Christ is not his. If you don't have the Holy Spirit living in you, I don't care how much you claim to be a child of God, you don't belong to Jesus. The Holy Spirit is the evidence that we belong to Jesus. And so, and by the way, you got to understand who this man is testifying against. I mean, before. You have to understand that this Jerusalem council is the head of the church on earth. These are the apostles in which Peter now go and give an account to. And he's telling them that the Gentiles, God has made the Gentiles worthy of salvation just as he has made the Jews worthy. I started walking and he And so maybe you need to be knocked out in the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Now, here's the defense of the gospel. Sometimes you have to stand up in a church setting and you have to defend God's people. When things are going like hell in the church, sometimes you got to stand up and open your mouth and you got to confront people and you got to tell them, God wants this. And it is God who has ordained it. And who are you to fight against God? Peter is standing up to his Jewish heartline brothers. Listen what he says. If therefore God gave them the same gift as he gave us when, he, when we believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could withstand God? But let me ask you all a question this morning. Are any of you all able to box with God right now? Oh, no. So who are we to tell God to save and not to save? Who are we to tell Jesus, oh, this one is good enough to hear the gospel? No, this one is not good enough to hear the gospel. Right. Who are we able to tell God that, no, Crystal ain't good enough to have the Holy Spirit? Huh. Who wants her? That's not our decision. That's God's decision. And when he said go preach the gospel, doggone it, you better get, get to going. Pick up your foot, and like that old Christmas song says, put one foot in front of the other, and soon you'll be walking out the door. Anybody know that old Christmas song? Oh, come on. Now, when they heard these things, they became silent. It's amazing how the Spirit will shut people up, isn't it? Mm -hmm. When you're living righteously on end and you're doing what God wants you to do in the church body, who's going to fight against Jesus? If we do what we're supposed to, Jesus will shut your enemy's mouth. Amen. And he will even shut his children's mouth at times. Hello, somebody. Because we don't always agree with one another. Amen? Amen. Amen. And sometimes he'll say, look, that's it. That's enough. 
And if you don't think God won't call you out, and then here's a reminder for the body of Christ. Okay? Here's a brother, two brothers and a sister. One is the leader of the nation of Israel. The baby boy is. The youngest of the three. God has chosen him to be the leader of the nation of Israel. And he just so happened to marry an Ethiopian woman. And the brother and the sister didn't like it because she was not Hebrew. And they start railing on their baby brother, Anan. Anybody got an idea who I'm talking about? Jesus. Let me finish the rest of the story and maybe you'll get the clue. They start dogging their baby brother out. Bad. And they start saying things like this. Oh, you think you're the only one who God talks to? Well, God talks to us also. And you seen people in the church like that? They'll get up in the pastor's face and say, look, you're not the only one who God talks to. Or they'll get to another sister that's over, over a ministry, and they'll say the same thing, right? And they bring all kinds of division in God's house. But this was happening among this young nation, the youngest nation on earth at this time. And the baby boy was being hammered by the two people who's supposed to be loving him the most, his brother and his sister. And guess who heard it, Harvey? Almighty God himself heard it. And he ordered all three of them. And here are their names. Moses, Aaron, and Miriam, meet me in the tent of meetings right now. That means, oh, now when the Almighty call you up, you know something's about to happen. Amen? Amen. And so all three of them had to beat feet outside the camp because the tent of meetings was outside the camp of the nation of Israel. They had to go way out away in that desert. And there, the Almighty came down in that cloud. I, I don't know what I would have done, Clinton. God called me out like that. And he said, let me tell you something right now. God got in their face. Are you hearing me? God got in Aaron and Miriam's face. And he told them, you don't pick on my son, my servant. And then God laid out Moses' credentials. And he said, not only do I talk to him, he said, but I talk to him as one talk to another, face to face. And I dare you to call him out like that. And God said to Mary, because obviously she must have was the instigator. Because you have done this thing, you are now leprosy. And immediately her entire skin turned pure white. So almost like, since you don't like black people, I'm going to make you whiter than white. And now who will like you? And at that time, Aaron went to crying. Moses help. Moses do something. Oh, a moment ago, 
They were picking on him. And that's in the body of Christ. We get the picking. We get the choosing. Or we get the picking at unbelievers who God wants us to go to in love. And we begin to proclaim things and do things to those people that drive them further and further and further away from the body of Christ. In other words, from Jesus himself. Jesus Christ is the body of Christ. Amen. It's his body. We're a part of who he is. And when we act ugly to them, we act ugly to him. And one of the reasons why God sent the southern kingdom into captivity in the Babylon, folks, hear this and hear it well. He said, I'm doing this because you have made my name bad among the other nations. He said, that's why I'm sending you into captivity. Because the other nations are saying, I, I thought they were worshiping the one true God. Look, 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 look what they're doing. So what is our testimony today? Can we clearly go to other people? I want to ask you this question, and God has dealt with me on this. Can you go to a Muslim now and love him? What about one come from ISIS? Could you love him? Knowing he just killed your daughter or your son or your best friend? Would you love him? Not in the flesh you won't. You want to blow his brains out. I know I would. But Jesus required you and I, he said, love your what? Love your enemies. I remember when I was on the battlefield in Iraq. And we took our first objective. We call it Objective Brown. And we had a bunch of Iraqi casualties. And under the Geneva Convention, under the laws of warfare, we are required to treat wounded enemy prisoners. We just can't leave. It's inhumane to leave a prisoner on the battlefield to die. He can't fight anymore. You're taking him now. Now he's a human being. The land of warfare rules say you now have to treat him on the end like a human being. And I remember some of their soldiers wounded. And they had thrown them in the back of trucks like meat wagons. And I remember some of them couldn't get down because they was hurt so bad. And I took some of those enemy soldiers in my arms and I carried them like a baby. And I remember some of those men doing this to me. And I didn't know what that meant. Do you know what it meant, Crystal? An enemy soldier just told me, thank you. That's dear to my heart, what you just did. Now I'm with the group that just tried to kill him. But also I work for one that's greater than the United States Army. I work for Jesus Christ, who says, love your enemies. Amen? All of this said for this. This hardline Jewish man is teaching his fellow brothers in Christ who are also hardline Jews. 
because that's all they know. That was their upbringing. They're still relatively new in this thing called the church. And on the end, big brother back in the back, they're absolutely new to walking on earth without Christ being present. In other words, their mentor, their teacher is not there with them in person to tell them, hey, hey, don't you do that. Then these men now have to walk on their own with the Holy Spirit in them. They must be listening to the Holy Spirit. And that's why I tell y'all, look, 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 look. I'm going to be honest with you all. I'm going to be straight up with you all. Sometimes I want to pull my hair out. <laughs> okay? Sometimes when I come in around these kids and they get so crazy, I just want to scream, especially when I'm trying to get along on Sunday mornings and, and walk away from everybody so that my thinking will not be clouded by a bunch of kids scrambling. You know kid stuff? So that I'm still flowing in the spirit? Does that make any sense to you? Sometimes I just want to just go, Ah! Stop it! <laughs> Be quiet. Sit down. Listen for the voice of God. God is present now. Everybody, shut up! Sometimes I want to do that. And they will say, what's wrong with the preacher? Like Michael and look like a, what pastor Sammy doing? No, 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 I'm not mad, Michael. I'm just talking, baby. Pastor, not mad. And so, every now and then, you have to remember, you're going to make mistakes. But keep your eyes on Jesus. Walk with Jesus. Allow Jesus to change your heart like he did Peter. So that in the moment of truth, you will be able to stand up and defend the causes of Christ. Okay? No, I testify that Jesus just changed this man's life. This man is not the same. I've, I've been in ministry, believe it or not, longer than I've been married. Because the Lord saved me a few months before I got married. And right away I started sharing the gospel. I didn't know anything about the gospel. And I started sharing Jesus with people on end. I was an army recruiter. You know what a recruiter is? You know what another name for it in God's book? Evangelist. And I did my job as an army recruiter quite well. And so it was easy for me to go up to people and talk to them. This time I had another army to work for. Amen? The army of heaven. And my command in chief was named Jesus. And so I went and told people about him. I was eager and full of vigor. And nobody was going to shut me up. Because I didn't play that stuff. But there are times when people want to throw back upon people their past. They always want to say, I remember what you were like. I remember what you did. When they're singing like the yellow canary, in that respect, they're sounding like Satan. The accusers of the brother, as, as John would write in Revelation chapter 12, because that's what Satan does. He goes up to God and he said, do you know what your daughter Ann just did? Or do you know what your son Clinton just did and you say he's yours? 
Oh, come on, God. You possibly can't belong to you, Jesus. And he's acting like that. Do you still love him? Oh, he doesn't love you, God. Look what she's doing. Look how short her skirt is. Now, she don't belong to you. Oh, do you? did you hear she just told that man off? I mean, he constantly is in the ear of God accusing you and I of our wrongdoing. And Jesus is going, that one's mine, that one's mine, that one's mine, that one's mine. Covered in the blood, covered in the blood, covered in the blood, covered in the blood. Amen? No record, Satan. No record. There's no record against them. No offense committed. Why? Because the blood has washed the slate clean. There's no offense. No, 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 no judgment. No judgment. There's no judgment for those who are in who? Christ Jesus. No judgment. That's what's going on in heaven. But that enemy is constantly, read Revelation chapter 12, constantly in the ear of God accusing you and I. Because that's what the name means. Satan means accuser. Y'all know that, right? You got it. He's accusing. And so every time you and I get in an argument or disagreement, he scandalizes us before God of heaven and earth. Oh God, did you just see what she did? Seeing what? Do you know what she's thinking right now, God? Thinking what? God knows everything. Question is, is he holding it against us? And because of the blood of Jesus, he said, they're forgiven. Peter's standing up, and he's defending the Gentiles. Is we getting ready to close this or not? Just a few more minutes. So when they heard these things, they became silent and they glorified God. Did you hear that? All of a sudden, their cynicism changes to praise. Hear that? The enemy, well, they're not enemy. They were just ignorant men. Were they not? They, they, they were not enemies of God. They, they were just ignorant Christian men that didn't know that Jesus was working like this with the Gentiles. And so, then, this is what they said. They glorify God, saying, Then God has also granted to the Gentiles repentance to life, otherwise eternal life. Now those who were scattered after the persecution, now this is a different time, after persecution that arose over Stephen, traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, preaching the word to no one but the Jews only. But some of them were men from Cyprus and Cyrene. Who was from Cyrene? Anybody know? Why does the name Cyrene should stick out to you here? Why? Why should Cyrene stick out to you all? It's a very powerful name, Deacon Amelia. Why is Cyrene famous here? You ever heard of Simon from Cyrene? Anybody ever heard of Simon from Cyrene? What did he do, ladies and gentlemen? What did Simon from Cyrene do, did? What he was famous for in scripture. Lord Jesus had him memorialized in scripture. What did he do? He helped carry the cross of Jesus. So the name Cyrene should have stuck out in your head. 
And I'm praying to God that he will help you all remember these clues so that you can put the big pictures together. Amen? And so, Sarin. Now notice what's happening here. These people was from these far off countries are now coming over to the mainland. Because remember, let, let, let me orient you a little bit. If you're in Israel and you go to the coast, which you'll be on the Mediterranean shore, right? If you head due north, you'll go right on in to Sidon and Tyre, the seaport towns of Lebanon, which is part of Phoenicia. Then you go to the Phoenician city itself that's above that. Okay? Now, let me ask you a question as we close out this message today. Who was from Phoenicia? That was a popular person in the Bible, but not in a good way. Uh, put it this way, she was royalty. And, yes! Jezebel was from Phoenicia. Okay? So Phoenicia is now getting what? The gospel. And they came to help. They came to Antioch, Antioch, Syria, and they spoke to the Hellenists. What is the Hellenists? The Hellenists are those Jews who were born outside of the nation of Israel. Okay? They're Greek-speaking by, by birth. They're Greek-speaking Jews. Okay? That's what Hellenists mean. They weren't born in Israel where they were speaking Hebrew. And then he goes on and says, they was preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned to the Lord. So now Jews reaching Jews. And these are not apostles. They're not part of the inner circle of the apostles. They're out preaching the gospel. And they haven't been trained with Jesus. These are people who got saved, went back home, and moved by the Holy Ghost to go and come back into the land and share the gospel. So what is our excuses? We said that you have to be like the pastor. You got to have all these famous degrees from all these biblical schools in order to be able to go out and preach and share the gospel. No, you don't. Because those things didn't exist in those days. Those men and women moved under the power of the Holy Spirit. As we close out, listen to this. Then news of these things came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent out Barnabas to go as far as Antioch, when he came and had seen the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all that with purpose of heart they should continue with the Lord. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And a great many people were added to the Lord. Then Barnabas departed for Tarsus to seek Saul. Remember, that's where Paul was from, Tarsus. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. So it was... So it was that for a whole year they assembled with the church and taught a great many people. That means a lot of people were being saved. And the disciples were first called what? Christians in Antioch. Now, just in case you don't know, that was not a term of endearment. It was a derogatory term. 
given by the Romans to mark those who were so-called Christ-like. And I don't know why the church adopted the name because it was really given by pagans. But I'm okay with it now because it's saying we're Christ-like and I certainly want to be like my Jesus, don't you? So can ungodly people say that about us today? Do they see that today? I would say to you, we're small in number, but I hope that God, the testimony from the world is, they are Christians. Because you're truly showing that we're Christ-like. Jesus won't have it any other way. God, they're living a different life. Let me encourage you, repent and change. Come back to Jesus and be Christ-like. Amen? And as he closed out this part of his letter, and in these days prophets came from Jerusalem to Antioch. Then one of them named Agabus stood up, and you need to remember that name, okay? Because towards the end of this book, Agabus will appear again stood up and showed by the spirit that there was going to be a great famine throughout all the world which also happened in the days of Claudius Caesar talking about the emperor then the disciples each according to his ability determined to send relief to the brethren dwelling in Judea this they did also did and sent it to the elders by the hand of Barnabas and Saul that's how Saul ended back up in Jerusalem. Everyone, Paul would later write about that famine and about relief efforts in his letter to the Corinthian church. He mentioned it first in 1 Corinthians a little bit, and now in 2 Corinthians, he's going to address it in very much detail as we go through it in chapter 9 and 10. And you'll be able to see this. So, as we close out today's worship service, understand what God is doing around you. We are the nations in which he sent the gospel to. We are the evidence that this word is true. That Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is directing the affairs of his church. And we have a responsibility to continue to look for opportunities. Whether they are there or not, make them. Make the opportunity. Make the effort to talk to someone about Jesus. That's our responsibility. Understand? Don't worry about consequences. That's God's responsibility. Our responsibility is to be obedient. Be obedient. These weren't pastors of churches. All those terms and things had not yet come out. These was ordinary Christian people going out, sharing the gospel. Any questions? To God be the glory. 
Let's pray. Um, we want to thank you, Jesus, for everything you do for us. We'd like to thank you for the message you sent us today. Um, we'd like you to help us with the ability to go spread your message throughout the rest of this town, this world, this everywhere we're at, just to make more people aware of you that need reached. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen.